take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, Gene and I will be exploring the topic of infidelity, which is a very important topic. And controversial. And controversial. Since there's a lot of stats that had come out in the last couple of years on cheating, which were very interesting because, because some of the stats really held a spotlight to men and women and the differences in how they cheat and why they cheat. And they're all over the place. They are very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the studies in an article called Who Cheats More? The Demographics of Infidelity in America, written by Wendy Wang, and she's a director of research at an Institute for Family Studies. This came out this past January. Actually, I'm sorry, January 10th, 2018. She was uh, citing data from the General Social Survey from 2010 to 2016, she stated that 20% of men and 13% of women reported that they've had sex with someone other than their spouse while married, which seems very low compared to some of the other statistics that we have seen. Right, where it's more in the 50, 60% and 30, 40. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it really brings up the question of how honest people are being. Right. When they're reporting that they are cheating. Because the foundation of having an affair has to do with dishonesty. Right. Right. Dr. Tammy Nelson, author of a book called When You're the One Who Cheats, she speculates that the reason why the statistics are all over the place is that people are not being honest with the researchers when they're collecting that data. Sure. In, in both directions, too. Right, because who would want to really admit that? And her data and her study came from numbers from Ashley Madison and that website. And you right. know that that website's designed just to get people hooked up right. um, who want affairs. So that pool of people would be much higher than the general population. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So, you know, I think what we should do is probably define cheating and define okay. infidelity. Okay. Because I think it would be very different for each relationship. Right. So I think cheating is when you dishonestly take energy that belongs within the relationship and share it outside of the relationship. So this goes beyond just a sexual relationship. Correct. With someone. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so it could be an emotional relationship. It could be just even confiding. Right. In someone else other than your spouse. Right. You know, especially if you are talking to someone of the opposite gender and you are, well, it doesn't even need to be the opposite gender. Right. If you're talking to someone, you know, in a negative way about your spouse, mm -hmm. you are now going outside of that relationship and dishonoring them. 
I, I would also include like financial decisions or hiding finances. Right. So being secretive, mm -hmm. you know, if you can't show your spouse what it is that you're doing or tell them what you're saying, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Correct. I would agree with that. Right. So that kind of, it, it makes a, a really wide spectrum of behaviors that would constitute cheating or stepping outside of the marriage. Right. And, and I think it's also, de it should be defined within each relationship as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So there, there should be some type of rules and some type of, you know, boundaries and standards that each couple creates because then, then they know what those standards are if they're stepping outside of them. Right. So we're not saying that sharing outside of the relationship is necessarily good or bad. We're saying lying about it is the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of times when we see couples come in and they're coming in because they're trying to recover from infidelity. They are having major trust issues because of that. Right. You know, if we lived in the forest still and you were all by yourself, it would be really difficult just to sleep at night. It would be a really unsafe situation. And if you found another person and that person was like, okay, I've got your back, you sleep, I'll stand guard. And then when I sleep, you stand guard. And your chances of survival would just go up exponentially. And our brains are still wired that way. So if you're sleeping and the person who's supposed to be guarding you is off distracted, hanging out with someone else or doing something other than guarding you, your life potentially was just in danger. And so we have a huge reaction to that type of betrayal, to thinking things are one way and finding out later that they're another way. Yeah, I think this is a very important topic because the topic of monogamy has been really huge oh, yeah. recently, right? And defining monogamy and talking about non-monogamy, right? And, and I think that this is something that we should probably talk about a little bit about what is monogamy, right? And how does right. that kind of enter into this topic of infidelity? Right. People are saying like the monogamy continuum or the conscious non-monogamy something or, you know, and, and I wish people would just That's use Wednesday Martin. I, I yeah. Yeah. I, I wish people would just use the words the way they're intended. So monogamy means that you are committed to another person. One, mono. One, mono. Right. Whereas polyamory is when you love multiple people. Mm -hmm. Open relationships. You're having sexual relationships with other people. And I think the words fit. I don't know why we have to redefine monogamy. It simply means that. And, you know, in the type of thing that we're talking about in this podcast, we're really looking at how do you be in a relationship and use that relationship to become the better version of yourself. And for us, monogamy is taking that sexual relationship really to a sacred place, which I think... For us, meaning you, me. You and me. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And what we're trying to help people with. We're not so much concerned about all of those other things. Right. And I mean, I would say more than just a sexual relationship. I would say emotional relationship, right? Right. Trying to take that, you know, unified both the emotional relationship and sexual relationship to a higher level. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's something that we help couples with. Right. And so if you're dispersing that, you know, the whole point of an affair is to not take responsibility for what's going on inside of you and to look outside of you for your needs to get met instead of dealing with your present life. Absolutely. The affair really doesn't have to do with the other person. 
right. the affair has to do with you inside seeking something else outside mm-hmm. of yourself. Right. You know, not looking within and then why you're unhappy, right? And actually taking steps to take responsibility for that. Right. And it, it, it seems to me in the couples we've worked with that have had affairs, the men have affairs because they have very low self-esteem. And they're looking for someone outside of them to tell them they're attractive enough, good enough. They want that attention. That seems to be a more primary thing for men. Where for women, they've been left alone and their emotional needs aren't getting met. And so they're looking for more of that connection. So I would agree with that. I I think men are looking for an ego boost. They're looking to have that attention, you know, that affection from someone, I I would even say some type of validation, you know, and that they seek that outside of themselves, especially if they don't feel like they're getting that from their marriage. And so they will seek that out from many different sources, not just, you know, another person, but also from pornography and, you know, other vices as well. Right. I think it's interesting. I, I don't think we've, at least the people we've worked with, haven't had major regret, lifelong regret for having affairs. And I think that they're so surprised at how much pain they've caused their partner. Cause I think it's, it's, they're so selfish in doing it that they're not considering the impact that that would have on their relationship. And when they, when they get back in their bodies and they're like, Oh my God, this person that I really love, I have torn apart. And it's just, it's a really tough thing for a couple to work through. Well, traditionally, when we have met with couples who are recovering from an affair, initially, the person who has had the affair has to justify their position to a certain extent. Right. You know, that I wasn't happy or, you know, my partner wouldn't talk to me. There was there was no relationship or marriage. Right. And so it it justifies in their head the reason to step outside of the marriage. Right. And I think that they don't realize that the person they're hurting the most is themselves because the person being cheated on didn't do anything. Right. It doesn't mean they're not responsible for the condition of the relationship that led to that type of thing happening. But when they have to answer to themselves about who they are, they don't have the guilt and shame that the person that did the cheating has. Right. And a lot of the patterns that we see kind of intensify the dysfunction you know, in the marriage because they just get into this common pattern of, you know, avoidance. Mm-hmm. So the person who cheated would now want to avoid that topic as much as possible because by this time they're just being badgered about what really happened. What are all the details right. of, of the event, right? And, or events, I should say. And then they justify and believe it. And they justify and believe it, right? I, I had a client who... He had an affair with someone who lived in California. And so he was driving with his wife and he came behind a car that had California plates. So he started to slow down, you know, and subtly move over to another lane. And she immediately said, why are you slowing down? Is it because the car in front of us has California plates and it reminds you of the person you cheated with. So that it just immediately triggered everything in both of them and then erupted into this, you know, gigantic fight again. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think that really encapsulates 
the pattern that couples fall into that is very dysfunctional when they're trying to recover from an affair and, and actually, you know, reinforces the pain that both of them are experiencing. He is avoiding and trying not to cause a conflict and, and trying to avoid everything that might trigger his wife. And she is obviously being triggered and is hyper vigilant about all the things in her environment that is going to remind her of this affair. Right. Because once you go through a trauma, your brain has to cope, right? So you develop those coping skills. And so you are going to be more vigilant unless you completely shift. Like we hear in Jim and Vera, that's coming out that episode on Thursday. Right. How, you know, Vera got to a place where, first of all, she took responsibility for her piece of being in a relationship like that and what she wasn't providing for her person. And she has let go of, of monitoring him completely. You know, her self-esteem is in such a great place now that she feels that if he is that type of person that would do that again, she would want to leave him anyways. Right. So instead of living in that pain, mm -hmm. she has really found that place where she can just completely let go and be free in the world. It's beautiful to see that. So, I mean, that's part of, you know, recovery where couples are doing everything right. Right. right? And mm -hmm. some of the research that's come out about couples who are recovering from an affair say that it takes a minimum of six months to start the recovery process. And that's only if couples are doing everything right. And so what Gene is talking about here is how they've done everything right. You right. Know, as far as her taking responsibility for her piece, not putting, you know, pointing the finger at him. That's all his responsibility. He obviously has a huge piece and responsibility as well. Right. But that's the work that couples need to do mm -hmm. in order to start that healing process. If you got in a car accident, you would become more vigilant driving. Right. If you if you experience that type of a trauma, it would take a while for your fight or flight response to settle down. And I think the same thing is true in affairs, that that six month window is really about like, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And then after that period of time of proving. And so if people aren't doing it right, that pushes that window up way bigger. Right, right. And so you know what we're talking about when couples are doing it right. I mean, you, you mentioned proving, mm -hmm. you know, that is up to the person who has done the cheating right. to prove themselves, to prove that they are being honest and trustworthy. You know, the, the problem happens when it is now the responsibility of the person who's been cheated on to make sure that their partner's proving themselves. Right. And the hard thing about proof is you can't prove innocence. No. You can only prove guilt. And so it's really about being an open book, a complete open book about what are you doing and where have you been right. and what's on your computer and all those kind of things that whenever the person that's been cheated on has a trigger that they are, they dive right into it right then and there and show here, here's who I am now. Mm -hmm. I, I use the example or analogy of scrubbing a wound. Yeah. Right. And that if there is a wound that, you know, has has dirt or is, is trying to... Like a burn. Like a burn. You have to scrub it in order to prevent infection from setting in, right? And so this is what I tell a lot of the, you know, the guys that I work with that have cheated on their partner is that you have to be the one to take the initiative. You have to be the one to scrub the wound. You have to talk about how this affair has affected you emotionally, personally. And 
even though it feels like you shouldn't be doing that because it's going to cause a conflict, it is important to do that for your partner because what is translated to them is that you care. It's what's translated is that you want to recover from this. You want to do something different, you know, and that this is equally painful for you as well. And avoiding it feels like a re-traumatization. It's like, what are you hiding? Right. That you're, you're still being, you know, secretive. You're keeping stuff away from them, which naturally happens also. I mean, the person who cheated, they, they don't want to disclose everything to their partner because they feel like it's just going to cause more pain. And so what they, they tend to do is they just give out little bits of, of information and they don't give everything out. And when I say everything, I'm not talking about the details of the affair, just that just the elements that have that you've kept from your partner. Like where were you and when were you, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily like exactly what you were doing. Right. Which is very painful and causes more trauma to the person who has been cheated on. Yeah. I know one of our couples that we work with, he cheated even before they were married one time and Mm -hmm. she just has this movie playing in her head and she knows what color dress the woman was wearing and so many details about it and it's just torturing her. That's because she had asked him to give Mm -hmm. her all of those details and once you have that picture in your head you can't get it out. And the picture in your head is going to be so much worse than the reality of it. Right. I mean don't get us wrong I mean the, the reality is that your partner cheated on you you know, which is a very traumatic experience as it is. What we're saying is we don't want people to traumatize themselves even more. Right. So doing everything right is being willing to sit with your partner whenever they have a question, whenever they want information. And especially if there's there's two different ways a person finds out about an affair. Either their partner comes and tells them mm-hmm. or they stumble upon it. And the stumbling upon it is a harder recovery process. When they see a text from someone, when so suddenly there's just a, a glimpse into this other reality that they didn't know existed. And that, that causes that discovery phase to last a lot longer. So like in the case of, you know, that client that I had, you know, that he was driving and he sees the, the place from California. In that case, he should have taken the initiative. And that's what I, I mean by taking the initiative, he should have been the one to say something up front and scrub the wound by saying, you know, I'm driving behind this car and I see these California plates and I'm reminded about, you know, what I had done and I feel very remorseful and regretful and, you know, that I, I hurt you, right? So it's, it's a very difficult thing to do because if things are going well, you don't want to rock the boat. But in that case, She's already seen the plates. She already is being triggered. By the time she's saying something, it's it's already been stewing in her head. And and so he has to be the one to first say something. That gives her the message that he is thinking about things and that he hasn't just put it beside him and moved on. It's like putting the affair in second place to your your primary relationship again. By bringing it into the relationship, what you're experiencing with your partner, it actually takes the energy away from the affair and puts it more into the relationship. The problem is, is that if the person who cheated has difficulty sharing their emotions and sharing their thoughts and feelings before 
having the affair, it is going to be 10 times harder for them to now switch gears and be that person that is forthcoming to be that person to actually, you know, express what they're truly thinking and feeling. See, I think that's the potential, right? The potential is that you're in so much pain now, especially if you don't want your marriage to end, that you would be willing to figure out how to be that person. And, you know, that's what we saw with Jim and Vera is that they they were both able to do their own internal work. And I think that's why personal development is so important. You can't be healthy in a relationship if you're not healthy in your individual life. Right. So a lot of that is personal growth, mm -hmm. right? Figuring out where your limitations are and being able to actually prove, right? When we're saying prove, you know, prove yourself right. really to yourself. And I think seeking counseling at this point is an important thing because your perspective and and your domestication, everything you've learned up to this point is not the thing that's going to help you survive an affair. So you need different education and you need someone else's perspective of how to move beyond it because you get really stuck. And unfortunately, if you're working with a therapist that hasn't done a really good job of validating both sides of it, it's actually going to probably cause a little bit more damage. Well, yeah, if a therapist takes sides, right, you know, and kind yeah. of vilifies the person who had the affair, right, then that is just going to intensify the disconnection mm -hmm. and it's not going to facilitate healing. You know, unfortunately, the majority of people who have affairs or are recovering from an affair in, in their relationship end up in divorce. Right. Right. And that's just because it's a very painful thing, you know, to go through and to rebuild that trust takes a lot, a lot of work. Right. Years. Years of work yeah. and on both sides right. equally. Mm -hmm. Right. And many couples are just are not armed with the tools and skills to learn how to do that. Right. Yeah, I think that things come into our life to teach us a lot of lessons. And this is a major, major life lesson. And it's extremely painful for both people. And it's it's that, again, that opportunity to really grow and become and have a relationship that's well beyond anything you've ever learned. Regardless of whether the relationship ends up in divorce or not, the work is necessary for each individual so that they don't end up repeating it again or attracting a partner where it will repeat again. Right. It's really interesting that in the most dysfunctional parts of relationships are that women believe what men say, but they don't believe what men do. And men believe what women do and not what they say. So we were working with a couple and he went on a dating website and he blew the woman off and she called his wife and said, hey, I was supposed to go on a date with, you know, your husband and he blew me off. And this is how she found out what he was doing, right? Right. And, you know, obviously it was a huge violation for her and very painful. And I'm sitting in session and I said to her, you know, if I had a video camera in your home and I couldn't hear any sound what looks different in your home today than it was before he did this? And she's like, it, it looks the same. I'm like, so you're still cooking dinner, doing the laundry, sitting next to him on the couch, doing all the same things. Yep. I said, well, he doesn't know you're in pain. And she's like, well, I'm saying, and I like, it doesn't matter. I said, do anything different. Like instead of just joining him on the couch and watching TV, why don't you go in a different room and see if he'll find you? Because you're not giving any signals that something's wrong. 
And women are terrible at that. You know, we just keep smoothing it out, smoothing it out, smoothing it out. And that's that denial piece that doesn't really help that recovery take place because men, whatever you're saying, they hear blah, blah, blah. Right. To a certain extent. Sure. And as long as everything else is comfortable, they don't have to tend to anything. Which is the shift that men have to make right. also. Mm-hmm. Right. They have to actually start listening and, and hearing what the partner is saying and listening to their own inner voice as well and voicing that also. You know, the tendency for men is that, you know, just don't rock the boat, as I said earlier. Right. And men are taught if, you know, if your wife is happy then everyone's happy, right? Happy wife, happy life. So, you know, they're not going to talk about their feelings or not going to talk about the affair. If it looks like their wife is fine and everything is back to normal, then that's status quo and they're okay with that, which is a challenge for for all men out there that have had an affair is to break that pattern up you know, to have that paradigm shift in your relationship so that you can take that relationship in a different trajectory. Yeah, in that that same regard, I don't, I don't know what happened with your client with the California plates, but she had the feeling. she She's noticing his behavior. But if he would come back and say, I don't know what you're talking about. That This is ridiculous. You're being, you know, I'm totally fine. I'm not thinking about anything. She would believe those words, even though she saw in the behaviors that something mm-hmm. was not congruent. And, and that's very dangerous. Uh, gaslighting, I believe that that's yeah. what it's called, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, that's it's a very dangerous thing because then it, it actually puts that responsibility back on the partner who was cheated on. You know, they now take on the full brunt of that emotional responsibility. I see the same behaviors in people who live with an addict because, right, that's a, a, a lying-based problem as well. Right, right. The dishonesty where they're taking pictures of bottles, but then they go and show their partner and their partner goes, oh, that's been there for six months. Or, you know, I don't know what you're talking about or someone else put that there. Right. You know, it's the same thing. Like they're trying to like figure out what's real, what's really going on in the world and what's what's the illusion in the lies. And that's, you know, having an affair creates a whole other persona of a different life that you weren't a part of if you're the one that's been cheated on and you don't have any details, you don't know anything about it. And so it's very difficult to believe that that thing is going to fade and go away. It definitely is not going to fade and go away. (laughs) You know, and couples try to distract themselves by just really focusing on the kids or logistics or, you know, just kind of sweep it under the carpet. But it is the 800 pound grill in the room and that grill is getting bigger and bigger day by day. So couples are, if they don't address it, right away and consistently and focus 100% of their energy on each other, the relationship is going to fall apart without a doubt. You know, that couple I was talking about, about the guy that was on the dating website, it took him about eight more months before they actually got to that place of resolution for her. And I think that place is, is the part of the person who does the cheating has to figure out what, what it is, what was the driving force of why they did it? And what are they going to do different so that they can keep the, the relationship safe? And this guy, when they came in for couples work, he really believed it was all her, that she had to change. She was the crazy one. He he was fine. And he wasn't really doing much work in counseling. No, that that is the worst pattern there. Mm-hmm. You know, that creates the pursuer distancer 
pattern, dysfunctional pattern that John Gottman talks about, right. you know, where one person's energetically chasing after the other person. Right. And so that, you know, the person that had the affair is now t- not taking any responsibility for their part. They're blowing it off. They are sweeping it under the carpet and they're saying, why can't we just move on? And that just causes more and more pain mm-hmm. at, in the other partner. Yeah. And so at that point, after after that happened, he finally started doing his work in counseling. And what ended up resolving it for her is that he said, you know, I watched you work really hard. I watched you change your life. I watched you create a whole life where you feel happy and secure and you had confidence and self-esteem and I hadn't grown at all. And I was scared you were going to leave me. And I, I was so afraid of that, that I was trying to get a replacement before you would leave me. And once she understood that that's, that was his driving force, that, that sort of forged them back together. And, and now they can talk about it from that place and not from what he did over here, but what is that need and how do they stay connected to protect themselves from that? Right. And what is the underlying meaning? What is it really truly connected to right. within himself? Right. Because the betrayal is really the self. Your partner's collateral damage, but you're the one who behaves in a way that you don't feel proud of. So if you did, you wouldn't lie about it. Right. So we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. We hope that by listening to this episode, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also your relationship. For all you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. It'd be really helpful. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.